renew your spirit and draw you closer to him so you can continue to be a shining influence to all those around you. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for all the dads. And we trust that your hand of blessing will rest upon them. We, uh, as we give these tithes and offerings, we do so by faith. And we know that you'll not only meet the needs of the people, but the needs of the church. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can receive the tithes and the offerings. I asked Pastor Diane. She's going to come and help me teach today. We're going to talk to you about Father's Day. So thank you for helping me. And why don't you go ahead and start? Okay. Um, most people feel that Father's Day was first celebrated in Washington State on June 19, 1910. Uh, a woman by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd came up with the idea of honoring and celebrating fathers while listening to a Mother's Day message where mothers were accoladed in 1909. She felt as though mothers were getting all of the acclaim while fathers were equally deserving of a day of praise. So let's turn to Ephesians 6, verse 1. Uh, God wants us to honor our fathers. It's the fifth commandment. You know, there's ten commandments. Honoring your father and your mother is number five. And it's the first commandment with a promise. Ephesians 6, 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers are not optional. They're not disposable. They're not unimportant. But they are the heroes of the family, the cornerstone and the foundation of the home. A father-child relationship at its best is very much like the personal relationship that God offers to all of mankind. While God is our Heavenly Father, Men have been given the privilege of being earthly fathers. A dad has the awesome privilege of representing the Heavenly Father to his wife and children. Now, Pastor Terry and I, neither one of us had the privilege of being raised by a father. Pastor Terry's dad passed away when he was seven, and my father was in the home, and he supported the family financially, but he was completely absent uh, emotionally and any kind of support. So your dad was there, but he really wasn't there. Right. So you can have a dad in the home, but he's really not there. Right. A dad that just goes to work and feels like that's his obligation to the family. And thank God for that, but yep. there's more to it than that. Yeah. So we, we have both lived with the holes that have been felt by their absence, and we have lived with the results of being fatherless, so we understand what a problem it can be. Fathers are just as important as mothers in their respective roles as caregivers, protectors, financial supporters, And most importantly, fathers as Christians and models for social and emotional behavior in the home. And there are no perfect fathers except God. He's the only perfect one. And in scripture, the word father is found more than 1,100 times. Yet in America, it's become increasingly harder to find a father in the home. There is an epidemic of fatherlessness. All you have to do is turn on the local news to see the results of missing fathers. Anger, violence, crime, and murder. Kids who are missing their fathers are at a loss in so many areas of their lives. Increasing a father's involvement in their children's lives is one of the most important ways to address material and spiritual poverty in this nation. In this country, in, in this country, one way we can do that is to reiterate the importance of fathers 
and the difference their presence makes. Almost every study conducted confirms what the Bible teaches. Fathers matter. More than 24 million children in the U.S. live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. If it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of great attention in our country. Even if you are an involved dad, your children and grandchildren will be growing up in a culture of absent fathers and unfathered children. So even children with a good father will be affected by the society that uh, fatherlessness brings about. So we're going to talk about some things that, about the importance of a loving, engaged father, <clears throat> or what we like to call the results of fatherfulness. You know, you can have fatherlessness. We're going to talk about fatherfulness. When we say children with fathers in these examples, we're not talking about a biological father, which takes no, no skill at all. We're talking about a loving, nurturing, caring, supportive father in the home. Children with fathers are less likely to live in poverty. Children with fathers do better in school. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Fatherless children have more trouble trouble academically, uh, scoring poorly on tests of reading, mathematics, and thinking skills. Children with fathers are less likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, and children with fathers are much more likely to be a healthy weight and be physically healthy overall. Children with fathers are much more likely to be emotionally healthy. Children without fathers have a 50% higher risk of suicide. Children with fathers are less likely to be angry and aggressive. And I studied this. I've looked into this for probably the last 30 years. There comes a time in a teenage girl's life that with some girls they just start cutting or using drugs or drinking or skipping school or are doing all kinds of crazy things that you never thought they would do. And I've looked in most all of those instances, there's a problem with the father in the home. Yeah, a lot of times, uh, no, go ahead. Um, a lot of times we see, we see a family and we think the man, the father, is just an awesome guy. And he really is. But as soon as he steps into his house, he becomes a different person. And we've seen girls that we thought were in such a good home, but we found out that, well, their father, when the father comes home, he goes in his office and closes the door. Or he goes and watches TV, and he never connects with his children. And I've seen this over and over again with a teenage girl. She gets to a point that she just she loses her compass because she doesn't have that father that has nurtured her all of her life. You know, what I was going to say is a lot of times we've found that little girls, uh, usually they get in trouble with relationships later on, were never told how beautiful they are by their dad, or told that, you know, that, that he never says that he loves them. And so the first Tom, Dick, or Harry that comes along, they're suckers. You know, they'll tell the girl, oh, you're so beautiful, I love you, and the girl has never heard that before should have heard it from her dad, and she'll fall for that guy, and he's sometimes an unsavory individual. So if a father would do that, it would be a, a help to his daughter. 
Children with fathers are less likely to be involved in any kind of crime. And children with fathers are more likely to have a larger vocabulary. I didn't know that. Diane put most of this together, so I appreciate you doing this. Children with fathers are more likely to be encouraged to uh, take healthy risks. Fathers help kids learn to take risks. Children with fathers get more rough housing. What we mean by that is usually you don't typically see a, a, a mom throwing her kid up in the air and catches him. Do you? Maybe you'll see a dad doing that. Or you usually don't see a mom running around in the backyard with the kid, you know, hanging on, on the shoulders. But you'll see dad doing that. And it's important, it's important that uh, uh, kids get that, you know. Not, not where you'd hurt the child, of course. But do you ever see me with little Zoe when she comes, my granddaughter? I'll throw her up in the air, you know. And Well, believe it or not, what that does a lot of times is that instills within the child that it's okay to take healthy risks. You know, there's healthy risks and then there's unhealthy risks. And uh, it's okay to take healthy risks. But if a kid doesn't get that when they're young, say I grew up without a dad and I notice it in my life... Uh, I'm not a real big risk taker. Uh, and so I've had to learn to walk by faith because walking by faith is all about taking a risk, isn't it? And what if it don't work? Well, what if it does? You know, so I've really had to learn how to walk by faith. It's been more difficult for me because I was taught not to take any risks whatsoever. And if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to take some risks because that's what faith really is all about. So a father can really instill that as good good traits of risk taking in a child. Okay. Uh, children with fathers are much less likely to be sexually active. Children with good fathers also decreases the chance of your child being sexually abused. It decreases the chance of violence and teen pregnancy. Being raised by a single mother raises the risk of teen pregnancy. Marrying with less than a high school degree and also forming a marriage, your child forming a marriage where both partners have less than a high school degree. So can you see how much input a good father has in his family? Children with fathers go on to have more satisfactory adult marital relationships. It is not the men with poor mothering but the ones with poor fathering who are significantly more likely to have poor marriages over their lifetimes. Men who have lacked a relationship with their fathers were also much more likely to call themselves pessimists and report having trouble letting others get close to them. If there was ever any doubt, fathers matter a lot. When all is said and done, a man's relationship with his father very significantly predicted his overall satisfaction in life by the time he was 75. So can you see an impact that a father makes over, over decades and decades? Yeah, and these are statistics now, because you know, you, you'll be able to find exceptions to, to these things. So these are just general statistics. You understand what, when I say that? Because we, we say these things and somebody will say, well, I know somebody that didn't. Well, these are just statistics. Real I say statistics. Yeah, yeah, they're just statistics. And so, you know, you can find exceptions. Uh, uh, I grew up without a dad, and I have pretty good uh, 
uh, vocabulary. I think there was a thing in there that said, you know, so you'll find exceptions to these things. I grew up without a dad and I'm not, I was never addicted to alcohol or anything. I, I never got sexually active till I was married, you know. So you'll find exceptions to these things, but these are general rules. Okay, goals every father should have. So and then we'll, we'll begin to close this up. Goals every father should have. Number one, cultivate your children's hearts, souls, and minds for Jesus. Good fathers have a good relationship with God. Only God can truly be an eternal anchor of protection for your kids. When the waves of life come, and they will, our children, young and old, need to know that they have a Savior Jesus that will never leave them nor forsake them. Uh, have your children be a part of your daily devotional time. Uh, inherent within this principle is the need to spend time with your children. Include them in your day-to-day activities as much as you can and take advantage of the many teaching moments that life serves up. Let them see you praying, bringing them to church prayer, involve them in helping others, God designs kids to be sponges that look to their parents with the intention that we uh, saturate them with his love and his truth. This is where God's word and the gospel become very practical. It's a powerful thing when your kids see you put your faith into practice. And one thing I may ad lib here just a little bit is what I've watched over the last 20 plus years is you'll see parents bend over backwards, go out of their way to take kids to the Little League game. or the And we're not against Little League, where I played in it. But they'll take them to the basketball game or the football game or the, this game or that game or, or the recital or the rehearsal or the concert choir at school. And those are all good things. But I don't know that I've ever seen parents change their schedule to bring their child to prayer meeting. I haven't seen that one time that, I, that I've ever seen in 20 years. I mean, it's just unheard of. I, I've never seen it. I, I've seen them, you know, change. I've seen them not go to church on Sunday mornings to go to a baseball game or something. But I've never seen, not in 20 years of doing this, plus, ever one time. And I'm not trying to be ugly here. It's just, it's, this is a statistic I've seen. I've never seen them bring their child, and this is not to be condemnatory, but I've never seen them bring their child to a prayer meeting. Not one time. You wonder why the nation is in, in, in a mess it's in. You know, that's not to put anybody down. And I don't think our church is that much different than probably the, any churches in the land. Something we ought to think about. Isn't it? Go ahead. I'll probably get criticized for saying that by somebody listening that's on okay. the internet. We're tough. But it's the truth. Go ahead. Number um, two. Just in addition to that, keep your children in prayer and teach your children how to pray. As far as you keeping your children in prayer, every aspect of that child's life needs to be covered in prayer by the, by the father. The mother, too, but by the father. It's not, a, it's not a responsibility you can abdicate to your wife. It needs to be done by the father because he's the head of the house. You pray for that child's protection. You pray, if that child is two years old, start praying for their mate. Start praying for the children that they have. Start praying for, for uh, what career they're going to go into. Pray for their, their spiritual walk. Just, just uh, take authority over that child in prayer. Yeah. And then you need to teach your children how to pray. If they never go to church prayer, if they, there's never any prayer in the home, there's never any joint prayer with the family or anything, your children will grow up in a, in a very debilitated state spiritually. Your children have to know how to pray. They have to know how to pray in faith. 
They need to know how to stand on the word of God in prayer, and they're not going to learn it. They're going to be disabled, just like a person without legs can't play in a regular basketball game. Your child will not be able to function in life if they do not know how to pray. And you need to teach them. You need to get them to prayer in your home. You need to get them to prayer in the church because that is a foundational part of their life. And and it's like saying, I want my child to enter into adulthood, but I want them to enter in without their head or without their arm. But if you put your child into adulthood without knowing how to pray, that's what you're doing. Yeah, they'll never be all they can be for God without without that. You know, and uh, and I'm sure there's people out there, you know, somewhere listening that they have taken their kids to prayer. You know, these are statistics, but I, I've never seen it right. that I can remember. I mean, maybe there's one that I've overlooked. And there's there are so many battles happening in the spirit world for your children to get to take your children away from the Lord. They come right, left, up, down. They surround us all over the place. And your child needs to have that foundation in their heart to know how to go to the Lord in prayer. You know what people don't understand about the devil? Is he doesn't come to break your refrigerator down. He doesn't come to mess up your car. A lot of people think that. Maybe your car is just old. Maybe you forgot to change the oil. The devil comes... To what? Steal. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's after. He's after. He wants, he wants your children stolen from, killed, and destroyed. And so you can, as a father and as a mom, see to it that your kids learn spiritual principles and learn how to pray and so forth. Learn the word of God. Okay, number three that we're talking about, every uh, goals every father should have. So one was cultivate your children's hearts, souls, and minds for the Lord. Keep your children in prayer. And we talked about that. And then thirdly, provide for your family. God has given fathers wisdom and ability to be providers for their families. A godly father will be involved in financial planning and budgeting to ensure the financial security of his family. A good father will sacrifice his own wants for his family. Look at 1 Timothy 5.8 if you would. 1 Timothy 5.8. Do you think it's possible to be worse than an unbeliever? A believer. Could a believer be worse than an unbeliever? Well, the answer is yes. It's found in 1 Timothy 5.8. New Living Translation says, But those who won't care for their own relatives, especially those living in the same household, have denied what we believe. Actually, the, the, the actual Greek says they have denied the faith. And such people are worse than unbelievers. So if a, uh, if a father isn't providing for his family, he he's worse than an unbeliever. Now, we're not talking about somebody that's between jobs or they lost their job and they're looking for another one. We're talking, I'll just say it real bluntly. I may get a letter on this. We're talking about deadbeat dads. You know, there's, you know what a deadbeat dad is? And uh, uh, I've seen some Christians that... Uh, Men that they thought they could just pray all the time and they didn't have to work. Now, you know God's a supplier, all right? But he'll supply a job. Is that right? Is, is that correct? You know, he's, he's the provider. There's the, that's the spiritual side. But a man, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he will not what? Eat. And if he doesn't provide for his own household, the Bible says he's worse than an unbeliever. And now, now there's nothing wrong with having a mom work. A lot of moms work, especially in this hour. You've worked since, since I've known you. So there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, what Harry Truman say, the buck stops here. And in this provision thing, the buck does not stop, stop with the female. The buck stops with the 
the, the male, the husband. He's responsible for the provision of the home. But there's nothing wrong with a woman working. That's just that's that's between the couple. But I'm just saying the way God looks at it, it's up to the father, the man, to provide. Okay, number four. Um, I'm just going to add a point to that. Just as an example, uh, Pastor Terry, when we started this church in for I guess four years or five years, he pastored this church. He worked full time as a school teacher. And he not only was a school teacher, he was head of the math department. And I think you had some other intramurals. He did intramurals. And then he also taught at Merrimack. Part time. And, and then there was another time in there that he actually even was the starter, or I don't know what you call it, at the golf course. I don't know what time he had to get there on Saturday mornings yeah. to, to get all the golf carts out, you know. So he was not only willing to work one job, but he was working four jobs just to support his family. And we come across people all the time who are having financial problems, and the father won't, uh, won't control the budget, and the father won't even think about taking an extra job to help the family succeed financially. So being a provider is really important. You've done a fantastic oh, well, job. You. And I do have to say that in all of his working and all the working extra and all the double jobs, he has never complained once about it. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you. You know, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, also, too, what I've seen over the years is I've watched where men have been working two and three jobs and, and they were still struggling. And all the woman, the, the wife would have had to do was just get a little part-time job somewhere. But she refused to do it. Or the man's pride, well, bless God, my wife isn't ever going to work. And, and that's silly, too. You know, in my opinion, I mean, it's up to the couple what they do. But haven't we seen it where if the wife just got a just a 20 hour a week job or something, it would solve a lot of problems. So anyway, you do whatever God leads you to do. But these are just things we've done and things we've observed. And thank you for always working, too. I appreciate it. Now you work for me. But we both what we we but we both work for the Lord. Yeah. Right. Am I easy to work for? You're a great boss. Sometimes too easy. Okay. Number four. Okay, a good father will bring love, peace, and comfort to your family. A good father will cultivate the atmosphere of his house to be a happy place to be, to be a safe place, to be a loving place. Um, a, a Christian father can bring peace to his children when they're in distress. A Christian father must always get God's truth across to his children, and he will not be disappointed. A child can learn, receive, hear, and see from their father, which will in turn give the child assurance of peace in the future. A a good Christian father is responsible to walk in the fruit of the Spirit in his home toward his wife and children. Um, That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are all the gifts that a father is imparting every day into his family. And to do this, he needs to love them, spend time with them. A father needs to be at peace with himself. Yes. And then number five, discipline is not just the mother's job. Ephesians 6 and 4 in the New Living Translation says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Kids need to learn to be responsible for their actions. They need to learn self-control and how to control their flesh. They need to learn that they can't make excuses for everything. They, they need to learn to work. And this is something we've observed over the years. A lot of times the mom will be given 
the the responsibility of disciplining and the dad's always just playing with the kids and whatnot and the mom can it can wind up where the kids look at her as the meanie and it's not fair to a lot of moms and so so we we've learned that discipline it works best if it's if it's equally divided between the mom and the and and the the dad it's not good though if you if if uh cuz kids will learn to work you if you've never learned that by now and they'll if if mom's an easier push they'll go ask mom and then mom will say well go it's all right if it's all right with your dad or the dad will say no and the, we've seen this the dad will say no and the mom will say Yes, or vice versa. And it's one thing we've learned is you've got to, as a, as a family unit, you've got to be, uh, as a husband and wife, you've got to be unified. You have to have a unified front, a loving unified front with the children. And if the dad's no, if he says no, then guess what? Mom ought to agree with that. And vice versa. Because kids will try to play one against the other. And so as a, as a husband and a wife, if you can have a loving, disciplined front and talk talk privately about whether or not your child should go to that or that event or this or that and then when they come to dad if it's yes then mom says yes if if mom's saying no dad's saying no and that way the kids uh they see they that's safety for the kids really you know and uh, that way one parent doesn't get get to look like the meanie but we've seen it a lot of times where one parent does all the disciplining and it's 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 just an unhealthy thing so so anyway we can another thing that's important in discipline is make sure that you never call your child names yeah um don't call them ugly stupid idiots fat you know the list could go on and on and i've seen this you know like i said i watch girls a lot and i've seen this with girls a lot of times their father will tell them that they're fat or stupid or whatever, and the girl gets to be 14 years old and she's got anorexia because all her father's imparted in her is that you, you look bad, you're too fat, you know. And so she stops eating or starts, you know, purging herself or whatever. When you discipline your child, you've got to think, you know, how would I want somebody to talk to me, yeah. you know? How would I want somebody to talk to me? I wouldn't want to be called names. I would want somebody to sit down with me, look me in the eye, and tell me, what I did wrong and how I need to correct it. It's good if the parents don't argue in front of the kids. And not only should the parents not call the kids names, but the parents shouldn't call each other's names at all, but certainly not in front of the kids. That just never works. Okay, let's close okay, this up. Okay, it's important to express and share in the delight of your child. Um, it's so important that your children are built up and, and that your children know how excited you are to have them. How glad you are to have them as your children. I know um, I've talked to, like, my brother. He's 66 years old, and he still talks about the fact that my dad never went to one, uh, one track event that he was in. He never went to one band performance that he was in, and that sticks with people. But we need to, if your child is good at something, you need to celebrate that. If your child, you know, is just... There, you need to celebrate their life. Yeah, and you know I've seen this too. Like, like, uh, like what I talked about church and going to prayer meetings. Like if we had, uh, like back when we were having midweek services, you know, all the time. And I think somebody, their kid was in a recital, and they came to me and they said, "Now, should I come to midweek service or should I go to the recital?" I said, "Go to the recital." Somebody say, "Amen." Amen. 
Go to the recital. You, you know, missing a service here and there is not the end of the world. I'm not talking about missing a service here or there. I'm talking about a lifestyle of, of, of putting the Cory League ahead of church. Did you hear what I just said? Okay. Can you live with that? Is that okay? I think that's, that's reasonable. Now, okay. we have, we have a, a tomato plant on our back porch, and it has to be watered every single day. And it's supposed to be watered the same amount. And everything because that prevents the tomato from cracking and doing other things like that. Your child is much the same way. A child thrives the same way a plant does with a constant supply of water. And that water that you give them is your encouragement, your nurturing, and your uh, expressions of love toward them. Okay, the last point is protect your child. Regardless of what pop-up, oh, pop-up, regardless of what pop culture experts may say, Our kids need us to provide protection over their lives. Regardless of what life throws to our families, we'll be there for them. Our children, now listen, our children deserve to grow up in a safe home. One increasing threat to our kids is through technology. If we're allowing unfiltered access to the internet, we're inviting the uh, enemy into our very household. Recently, we read that 12%, listen to this, 12% of 10-year-old kids Now watch pornography. And the commercials that are on television, you can be watching a Disney movie. And have you ever noticed the commercials that come up are just vile? Some of them are just just vile. So anyway, it's it's, this. And you need to realize this is a pornographic society that we live in. And I noticed as a little kid and it's just gotten worse. It's 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 like a. A thousand times worse now than it was when I was a kid. But anyway, so it's up to the parents and the, and the dad to keep your children protected from these things. Uh, children are naturally curious and cannot be afforded a responsibility that most adult men can't handle. If bad company corrupts, then what and who are around our children should matter to us. Simply put, boundaries need to be in place. There is an epic uh, battle raging in our culture for the hearts and minds of your children. From uh, teaching sex education to five-year-olds at school, isn't that something? To now wanting to have grown men share bathrooms with our daughters, it's something, isn't it? Right in this nation. Our kids need us to stand up for their best interests. Don't allow them to do things that will get them into trouble or hurt. Supervise them and know who your friends are. Be very cautious about your kids dating and who they are with. And my mom, she watched over me like a hawk. And And my dad did not. He didn't even meet the guy at the door. Didn't want to know where I was going. Didn't know where I was, what we were doing. Nothing. And that was really, really, really bad. Yeah, my mom wanted to know who I was with, when I was with them, when she wanted me to be home, or I'd better call her, and and thank God for that. But, but you know what? I love you. I watch you like a hawk now. So, All right, let's do the conclusion. I know that sometimes parenting can be discouraging. Everybody that's been a parent knows that there's very, very, very hard times. It can be very discouraging. Um, you might even think that you don't really have that much of an influence on your kids. But your role as a dad is so, 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 so important. Uh, It's immensely important. So focus on being the best dad you can be. It's not enough to just be there. Read to your kids. Get involved in their school. Rough house with them. Encourage them to take risks. Stay fit yourself. These small things can have a huge return 
on the, on the investment for the well-being of your children. If you've fathered a child but haven't had much of a role in his or her life for whatever reason, I challenge you to step up and embrace your role as a dad to the greatest extent you can. It's going to be hard, and it's not always going to be fun, but it's your responsibility. And just speaking of my own experience and the experience of all my siblings and all my nieces and nephews, if my father, who's 90 years old right now, would change and step up to the plate and be a father and a grandfather, everybody would be thrilled. Oh, yeah. Everybody would be thrilled. So it's never too late. It's never too late. Um, Mothers, please do everything you can to nurture a great relationship between your kids and their father. Dads everywhere have the opportunity to leave a big impact on the world. Don't underestimate your influence on the lives of your children. And I want to say something, too, that, that I feel like the Lord wants me to say. You know, we go over these things, and they're very good, and these are all good statistics and good points. But did you ever read in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, where you would have a godly king, and he would have an ungodly son? You ever read that? And then you'd read where you'd have an ungodly king... And he'd have one of the most godliest children. And I'm saying this to encourage people because our children, our children, not a one of the three of them are where they need to be with the Lord. And we did every, we did almost all of these things. And they're not a one of them where they need to be with the Lord. So, you know, why do, I, I hope you respect me for saying that. You know, uh, but I'll leave you with this. It's kind of like what she said about her dad being 90. If he would change, it'd be well accepted. I was sitting in my office one day, and this uh, couple was in there, and they were right upset. And they weren't upset with me. They were just really kind of upset with the Lord, and they were upset because they had raised their children according to most of these principles that we talked about here today. And they were very upset and they said, we trained the, the child, we trained them up the way they should go. And the, and the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And not a, they're not living right for God. And they were, they, were, they were sad, they were angry. Have you ever been sad and angry and you didn't know if you're more sad or more angry than sad? And they, they, and they said, Pastor, tell us, we did what the Bible said do. And we trained them up. And they're not living for the Lord as they should. And have you ever been stuck where you didn't have an answer? And I was stuck. I didn't have an answer. I didn't know what I was going to say. Because they were challenging the Lord and they were doing it, coming at me. And, and they weren't mad at me. They were mad at the Lord. And, and I heard the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me right on the inside. He said, tell them they're not old yet. Well, their children were like 30, 32. One of them, I think, was in the early 20s. Tell them they're not old yet. So I said, well, they're not. What does the scripture say? Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Wasn't that a slick answer? Don't let that go over your head, dear friends. Be sharp enough to grab a hold of that. The Holy Ghost said, tell them they're what? Well, that's a slick way. Holy Ghost got me out of that one, didn't he? And that's the answer, isn't it? When they're what? When they're old, 
They'll not depart. I said, tell them they're not old yet. I said, well, they're not old yet. And you know what? A brightness came on their face. And uh, isn't, that, isn't that a good answer? Well, why are we saying it? Don't ever give up. Don't give up on your kids. If you train them up right, bless God, when they're old, they'll not depart from it. You stand on that. You take a hold of that just like a, like a dog would take a hold of a piece of meat, not turn it loose. Amen? Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you would. Praise God. Well, Father, we pray for all the fathers that are in this room that are listening on the Internet. We just ask that your hand of blessing would be on them as they endeavor to serve you. And that you'd lead them and guide them and help them. Help them. Help them. If any of them lack wisdom, may they ask of you. And that you'd give them that wisdom. We just thank you for it.